Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1.33 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott. Thank you, Brendan, for filling in on that last segment. was just uh, dealing with a call. Uh, we will tell you that Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations that are now available, obviously, for dine in. Uh, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer uh, recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. We'll head off to our Oilers now. Headliner today from the Oilers Radio Network, that is Rob Brown. The Oilers Now Headliner brought to you daily by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, he was the most prolific scorer in WHL history. Once had a 49-goal, 114-point season in the National Hockey League. We welcome back Rob Brown. Hello, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you today? Good. Look, we were having a conversation with Spec and with the listeners. What do you do? If, you know, hockey is supposed to be a meritocracy where the best players play, what do you do if Dylan Holloway comes in and Philip Broberg comes in and Holloway's no worse than your second or third best left wing and Broberg's your second best left shot defenseman under the assumption that Clefbaum's not back here? What do you do in that situation? Do you have him on your NHL team or do you still send him on the farm? Um... I mean, it's win now, I think, right now for the Edmonton Oilers. You've got your two superstars who are going into what, their six, seven seasons next year. You want to put the best available team out there. And if they're good enough to play, they play. Um, I think that players nowadays coming up as young players are a lot more mature and are a lot more NHL ready than maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And we're seeing that. I mean, a Cole Caulfield with, with Montreal right now. He looks fantastic for them in the playoffs. So I, I think players are much more ready. So if, if those players are capable of playing, playing regular minutes and being a positive influence on the team, you give them a chance to play here. If it's uh, an in and out of the lineup or you're going to get 7 to 12 minutes, it'll vary night to night, well, then you put them in the minors and you let them uh, acclimate to the professional game. But, uh, yeah, it, it's win now. And I think that we've seen a lot of young players that have come in and played very well very early in their careers, and, and it hasn't affected them going forward. Rob, you played as a 19-year-old. and Now, Pittsburgh was not a great team at that time, but you played as a 19-year-old in the NHL after you had 173 and 212 points in back-to-back years. Um, you ended up, you know, 24 goals, 44 points in 51 games in 87-88. Uh, and that was, uh, you know, you're 19 that year. You didn't turn 20 until April of that season. Uh, your season was actually over. Then as a 20-year-old, you had your 49-goal, 115-point campaign. So there's an illustration. And you were not a first-round draft choice. You were a fourth-round pick, maybe partially because of size. So you've kind of experienced this thing where you were given that opportunity. You came in, you earned a spot, you were skilled, and they played you. Well, it's funny. It didn't start out well as when I was a 19-year-old. Uh, the coach was Pierre Kramer, and I remember we were at a high schools where we had training camp, and he called me into his office, and he said, Robbie, we like what you do. We think you 
going to be center here for a long, long time, but we're going to send you to Muskegon. You play there two, three years, and two, three years from now, maybe you make the Penguins. And I'm like, Pierre, I can't go to the minors. And then he started yelling at me, you think you're too good for the minors? I'm like, no, I'm not old enough. I have to go to junior. He oh, says, that's man. not true. I'm like, no, it's serious. Pierre, I can't go to the minors. Actually, I wouldn't call him Pierre. I was calling him coach. I can't go to the minors. He says, you wait right here. And he went back. Made a phone call, came back. Robbie, congratulations, you won Pittsburgh Penguins. So I mean, <laughs> I wasn't on. high on his. Yeah, I wasn't. Honest to God, I could tell. I could tell Pierre Kramer stories for for days. Yeah, nope. It was he tried sending me to the minors, and I I knew the rules better than him. So uh, and then I got a chance, and the only reason I got a chance is someone got hurt. Uh, Bob Airy got hurt, and I sat out the first couple of games. He got hurt. My first game, I got to play with Mario. I scored two goals on that, and. I got to stay in the National Hockey League. It, it is an adjustment, but it all depends on the, the player. Um, if a player is mature, I mean, that makes it easier because all of a sudden, instead of hanging out with guys your own age, you're hanging out with guys a lot older. So you got to have a maturity. you got to have a, a mental toughness uh, because it doesn't matter who you are, uh, whether you're a great player or whether you're a guy that's going to be relegated to third, fourth lines, there's going to be times that are ups and there's going to be times that are downs. And those down times can't, kill you they can't uh put you into a downward spiral where you start questioning yourself questioning your confidence because then all of a sudden it's hard to get out of that so if the kid's mentally strong enough if the kid's mature enough and he's got the skill level to play at this level then he then he gets a chance if he's lacking in any of those three well then you let him blossom down in the minors before you give him his opportunity well rob it's interesting because evan bouchard of course made the oilers out of the 2019 training camp and then went back to junior and then in 2019 training camp, he ended up going down to the American Hockey League and was the best defenseman, according to multiple reports, in the second half of the season in the Pacific Division before they shut down. Then he reported it like he didn't even look like the same guy when we saw him out at Nate to start training camp this year before the Oilers got access to Rogers Place coming out of the World Junior Championship. Evan didn't even look like the same guy, like his body composition. like. And then I'm watching him on the ice, and he looked way better. And I know it's just training camp, but he's such a cerebral guy. Like, I, I, I know we talked about this. I was frustrated that he didn't play more this year. For me, they should have looked at playing him over on the left side. But when a team has the third or fourth best record in the league in the final 47 games, it's kind of tough to question the coach. And so now I'm sitting here. We all know Bouchard's going to play. That's a given next year. But I'm thinking... You know, if you're the Oilers, you don't get all the free agents. You don't get freebies with the agents trying to place their players here. Every Basically, even the New York Yankees in the 90s were built through their own drafting and development. Um, those were their best players. And so there's a lesson in that. You know what I'm saying, Rob? And sometimes you got to stick with your own guys come hell or high water. Well, you do for a couple of reasons. One, you drafted the player for a reason. You liked what he did and what he brought in, whether it's junior or college or Europe or wherever it is. There's something about that player that you said, you know what, that's what we want in our organization. Uh, two, finances. Uh, if, you, if it's a guy that's coming from your minor league system or from junior, he's on a good contract usually. Uh, if you're going out and getting a free agent, you're overpaying. There, there's rarely an, uh, a free agent that you get at a bargain price. You're getting a guy that you're over, especially someone that's going to be a factor in your, in your lineup. So you're overpaying, and right now with a flat cap, uh, you already have uh, you know some guys on pretty high contracts in your organization. You need guys with good contracts, guys that can contribute, guys that can play with good contracts, and Bouchard has that. 
and, and you just you, you want him in your lineup. You want him to succeed, and he's got the skill set to do it. Now it's just the ice time he has to get, and it'll be interesting to see what Holland does in the summer because the Oilers are not a team that's building. This is the Oilers are a team that needs to take the next step, so they they got to win now. And free agency, they're going to try and fill some holes, but you also have to, as you said, bring guys in through your organization, a Holloway, a Bouchard on good contracts that can contribute and and be a part of the future. And the future, unfortunately, for for Oiler fans is now. They they need to start taking that next step, and and they have. But the next step now is to win playoff rounds. All right. Uh, Taylor Hall went to Boston. Uh, it, It couldn't have worked out better for the Bruins. Uh, in terms of how he performed there, certainly to close out the regular season, the first round of the playoffs, they got injured on defense, uh, and the Islanders are just such a, a strong checking team that they played the game in their end. But Hall had eight goals and 14 points in 16 games that went plus 15 in Boston in the regular season. He had three goals and five points in 11 games in the playoffs. Based on what you see, saw at a Hall in Boston, would you be at all concerned offering him a long-term extension if he couldn't get a deal done with the Bruins? Uh, well, it all depends on money. I, it, would I want Taylor Hall on my team? Absolutely. I, 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 the others are desperate for players to play on the wing. If they signed Taylor Hall. He's your number one winger. Um, so, yeah, I would love to have him on your team. It, it depends on what he wants contract-wise. Now, I don't believe the money that Taylor Hall was going to get two years ago is still out there for a right. couple of reasons. He hasn't put together the back-to-back seasons that he needed. And they're just you can't afford to pay that kind of money right now. There's just teams don't have it. Uh, yeah, I Taylor Hall. If he plays. I mean, just think how much more effective the Oilers would be up front with a Taylor Hall in your lineup. The Oilers are desperate for wingers. They have the two best offensive players in the National Hockey League. And people can question who the best player, or who the best top three players, or best five players, whatever you want, all round players. But if you just want to look at offensive, there's no two better players in the NHL. The Oilers have them. They need someone to play with. A Taylor Hall absolutely would make this team a better hockey club. Did Dugan Hopkins miss a window here for you? Did he not do enough? Or, I mean, he had he had back-to-back 60-point seasons before this year. He was seventh on the team at even strength scoring. Um, I, he missed an opportunity to get a bigger contract. I, I, I think that he, Brian Nugent Hopkins, I mean, I think what we've seen from him now, he is a more of a very good complementary player. He's not a guy that drives a line. Uh, the thing with the others, you don't need that because you've got Leon and, and Connor driving lines. Uh, I think that R&H has probably missed the opportunity for a bigger payday. I think that, and that's not just in Edmonton, I think around the league, I mean, he made $6 million this year, I think it is. Uh, is he, I don't think he's, uh, I don't know if he's a $6 million or $7 million player in the National Hockey League now. I just don't know if teams are going to pay that. So can he get a longer term for a little less money at Edmonton? I think at that point you're thinking, oh, I mean, money is not really an object when you get that much, and I get a chance to play with either Connor or Leon, and I'm on the best power play in the NHL, and i got a coach. I mean, frankly, Tippett loves him, and he should because he does all the little things right. He's a great penalty killer. He's very good on the power play. So, yeah, he missed an opportunity for a big payday, but I still think he can sign a nice deal here in Edmonton and be on a, a franchise going uh, forward and play with one of the two best players in the world because he's going to play with one or the other. Are you surprised Montreal got out of Canada, Rob? No. 
No, I, I think what you see playoff hockey is uh, the one thing that we talked about when Montreal was here early in the season, and we yep. talked about them at the airs. The Montreal has got their four lines deep. Nobody on their in their top twelve forwards scares you, but there's nobody that you ever think, okay, I'm going to take advantage of that line. So they're four lines deep, and we've all said that they had the best top four defensemen in the NHL, and we all talked about that in strength and goaltending, they probably are the strongest because of their one-two punch. When you get into the playoffs, it's all about depth. It's about good, sound defensive hockey, and it's about being big, mean, and physical. Montreal covers all of those things. Uh, the only thing that uh, had a little doubt in my mind was the way their season was, looked like it was going to end with their schedule and with the injuries. But because the season got extended, because of the Vancouver Canucks and with COVID, they got an extra week worth of rest and not allowed them to be rested to go into the playoffs the, the, there was a, the top four in, in the North were close. But Montreal, of all the teams in the top four, were probably the best built for playoff hockey. Do they have any chance against Vegas? They have a chance, yeah. They got Carey Price. I mean, Carey Price was fantastic uh, last night. I, I think Vegas is a better hockey club. I think Vegas is built along the same ways. They got great goaltending. Their defense is fantastic. And they're just as deep up front. And if anything... They're not only as deep as Montreal, they're better up front. I mean, they're fourth line. I mean, with Carrier and Reeves and, I don't know, is it Collison? Or I can't even remember how they say his name. Colzar. Big kid. Colzar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is big, mean, and physical. You can play it out against any line. And there was a shift last night, in the, or I think it was last night, where they each of them made a huge hit in the offensive zone. Like, every time Montreal moved the puck, that guy got run. They went to the next guy. He got run. They know how to play physical hockey. They know how to play big, strong, mean hockey. Uh, and they've got enough uh, scoring up front that they probably have the advantage there too. So Vegas is better, but it's playoff hockey. Montreal has been an underdog. It's harder to win as the favorite than it is as the underdog. And I think Montreal is trying to play that card. Having said that, I believe the Vegas Gold Knights are going to the finals. I said at the beginning that Vegas would go to the finals. I think they're that good, and I think it's their time. Well, they're, I mean, they got a freebie. Can you believe the Anaheim Ducks had to protect Kevin Bieksa late in his career on a two-year deal in the expansion draft? And then they had Fowler and they had Lindholm and they had Manson and they had Votnin. And so, lo and behold, they ended up doing a deal where the Vegas Golden Knights got Shea Theodore. Who's well, I mean, it's crazy. He, he, it's, he's so good, but then you also look at, was it the Florida Panthers with Marcia So and, and Riley Smith, and then Columbus with William Carlson? Like, like I, I didn't understand. Like, I understand. There's deals that have to be made, but how could your, you as a franchise, I'd be like the Oilers saying, you know what, we're going to leave. I'm not sure about this nurse kid. Like, these are really good players that Marcia So scored 30 goals, and they still let him go. I'm like, you just don't. How could you misread players that you've had in your own organization for that long? I don't get it. So uh, Vegas did their homework. They've done a good job building a team. And uh, to me, they're fun to watch. And, well, part of it, too, is <laughs> it's fun to watch anything in Vegas, and the crowd is crazy. But the biggest thing, too, that I find I giggle every time I watch Vegas play is the Pittsburgh Penguins got rid of Fleury. They thought he was done. And he's been one of the best goalies in the league the last four years. In the last four years, the Pittsburgh Penguins have failed in the playoffs because of goaltending. So good on Fleury for going out and being as good as he is. How would you be if your former team acquired John Gibson from the Anaheim Ducks? 
Oh, I, I, if I'm Anaheim, I'm trading Gibson because Anaheim, and this is why I said this at the beginning of last year. The Anaheim Ducks are not good. They're not going to be good for a couple of years. They're young, but you've got your biggest asset right now is Gibson. No use having a great goaltender if you're going to be losing all the time. Get rid of him. Pick up a lot for him, and allow Gibson to to be the star that he is. Because it's that has got to be tough standing on your head night after night after night knowing at the end of the night your team's never going to score enough goals for you. So uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they are a good hockey club. They'd be a great hockey club if they had a goaltender like Gibson. Rob, was Pierre Kramer's comment to you, Rob Brown joining us from the Oilers Radio Network, was that the most shockingly ill-informed com- comment a coach and manager ever made to you during your career? I, I, I still can't believe... He didn't understand the rules that you would have had to return to junior at the time. Was there anybody else that sh- – now, who was – who uh, was it Gene Ubriaco who told you, Rob, you get uh, two major penalties a year to protect yourself on the ice and I'll kill him off? Yeah, that, that was – he was also the guy that took me off the ice when I had 49 goals and the other team pulled their goalie. So I, I remember Ubi very well there too. But actually, the, that was – Pierre Kramer, that wasn't the worst comment. He killed him for a comment he made. Second last game of the season, we're playing in Washington – we needed to win our last two games of the year to make the playoffs. We're in overtime in Washington, and there's a face-off in the offensive zone, and I'm sitting beside Dave Hunter. And I turned around to Pierre Kramer and said, hey, are we going to call a timeout and pull our goalie? And he looked at me and go, why would we pull our goalie? That's stupid. It's overtime. We're tied. And Dave Hunter said, no, 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 we have to win the game. And Pierre Kramer, we do not have to win game. We can tie game. And we're like, all of a sudden, so both me and Dave Hunter turn around arguing with the coach on the bench, telling him we, if for us to make the playoffs, we had to win the game. And he's arguing. He walks down, says to the assistant coach, the assistant coach on the headset calls upstairs. Right away, Pierre Kramer comes back. Time out, time out, time out, and calls everybody in because then someone told him. But he didn't know that we had to win the game. Oh, Second last what? game of an NHL season. And the best part, we called the timeout, and he called us all in, and he called, and he spoke for 30 seconds. He spoke French to Mario. Didn't tell anyone else the play. And we're skating to the phase-off, and I go to Bob Erie. What do you think he said? I think he just said, hey, Mario, don't pass it to the English guys. Just go down and score. <laughs> and he did. Did he? The old guy, yeah, Mario scored. We won. We went to the last game, and we lost. I think we lost in overtime in the last game against the Buffalo Sabres to miss the playoffs by a point. But, yeah, our coach, second last game of the season, didn't know we had to win the game to make the playoffs. That he is didn't, great. He didn't, coach, he didn't coach the next year. That was his last season. Yes, that was it uh, for Pierre Kramer. Rob, yeah. awesome stuff. Love having you on the show. Thank you for your time. All right, take care, Bob. You bet. That is Rob Browner, Inside the Game Analyst from the Oilers Radio Network. That is nuts. <laughs> Just crazy. Uh, all right. 151 in Edmonton. Uh, if you are, what are, what are we, what's the term we now use when we tape delay things? If you're, France is playing Germany, it's half a billion people at least are going to be watching this game. Uh, they're at the half. And the last score I have, okay, here's your chance to turn the radio off for 30 seconds. Uh, they're at halftime, and France is up one nothing over Germany. Two great uh, international soccer f- powerhouses. Rob Brown, 
Was the Reuters now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky? It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. As we go into the Oilers now, injury report, of course, Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders tonight. And the injury report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters in injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And here is uh, Brendan Escott. Okay, well, Tampa, they're healthy right now. And the Islanders have been without Captain Anders Lee since uh, March 10th when he tore his AC. He did skate alone yesterday, but they're reassuring everyone he won't be back this season. Uh, Montreal's Jake Evans did uh, skate with them yesterday morning, obviously did not play. He's still on the way back from the concussion. And uh, Jeff Petrie, John Merrill, they're going to be game time decisions the rest of the way for Montreal as well. We go to this day in Oilers uh, history, presented uh, all season long by New West Travel. And here's Brendan. In 1979, the Oilers promote Glenn Sather from head coach to head coach and general manager, a title he held until 2000, winning six Stanley Cups after starting out as a player coach with the franchise in 1976-77. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame 20 years thereafter in 1997. Glenn Sather was ahead of his time. He realized always bet on talent, and when you have talent, accept that occasionally there's going to be some mistakes. And you don't crush guys for making mistakes. You grow with them. There's been a lesson in that for about 40 years. So uh, there you have it. Tomorrow, we will have a full-scale edition of Oilers Now. Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. NHL insider John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. What does, uh, well, actually, tonight, hey, Reed Wilkins is a happy man. He's got it off tonight. He's got... Uh, game two of the Lightning and the Islanders from Tampa, Florida. Puck drop is at 6 p.m. after the 6.30 Chad News. Uh, we will head off at this time and tell you up next is a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Have a tremendous Tuesday. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.